Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. John chapter number six. Let's go to John chapter number six. John chapter number six. And we'll start reading with verse one. I started a series last week talking about... uh, living in the blessed life, and we're going to talk about that some more leading up to our Christmas offering. That's why we're doing this. Also, it's important that we teach the church on giving. Uh, Jesus said, Jesus actually talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell. Now, I, I can count on one hand growing up how many sermons I heard about money. I, there's not enough appendages in this room to count how many sermons I heard on hell growing up. Uh, but we're going to talk about where we're talking about steps to, to, to get into the blessed life. I taught you last week that God, God's ultimate intention and design for you is not just so that when you die, you go to heaven, right? That's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing. We believe that Christians, when they die, they get the whole bit, right? That is not the purpose of Jesus coming to the earth only, if that, is the, if that is the only purpose of Jesus coming to earth so that when you die, you go to heaven, the best thing we could do is shoot you at the altar after you say the prayer, right? And, uh, and help you avoid a whole lot of suffering and a whole lot of pain. God did, not, God did not send Jesus, God did not send the Holy Ghost just to give us fire insurance for eternity. God sent the Holy Ghost because there are advantages and benefits inside the kingdom of God according to the life we have now. Jesus said no man has ever given up father, mother, houses, and lands that he did not receive 100-fold in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. He said there is a place you can get to where you're receiving 100-fold, not then, but now. You with me? I want to get a church stepping into, walking into, living in 100-fold return right now, not later. Okay, I, I, it was it was funny when I grew up in the in, in, in the church I grew up in. That was the kind of the picture we painted people, right? That 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 when you get saved, glory to God. But bless God, you better hang on. And then we had we would paint these pictures and we would sing these songs about these God bless them, these wonderful Christian saints dragging themselves across the finish line. Right? They're broke. They're hungry. They're tired. They hate their life. They hate their kids. They hate their families. They hate everything about it. And just as soon as Jesus could come, wait, you ever seen those people like, "How you doing today? I'm just wanting Jesus to come." Is it that bad? Is it that? I hate to tell it. I hate to tell you. I'm not ready for Jesus to come yet. I'm having too much fun. Y'all okay this morning? I'm not ready for Jesus to come back just yet. I still got some things I'm assigned to do, right? I I still want to see God move in some people's lives. I want to see some people come out of not enough and step into too much. There's some things that God still got prepared for me and you that are not available then. They're available right now. Ain't it amazing that we serve a God that wasn't just concerned about your eternal destination. He was concerned about your temporary life. There ain't nobody ever given up houses, lands, father, mother, did not receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. So let me read this to you. John chapter six, verse number one. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw the miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain and he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. 
When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him, and he said to Philip, everybody say Philip. Everybody say Philip. He said to Philip, where are we going to get bread that all these people are going to eat? Now watch the next verse. He is tricky. And he said it to prove him because he himself knew what he would do. Jesus, Philip, what are we going to do? <laughs> Setting him up. Here's Philip's brilliant response. You know he's setting Philip up for failure, right? <laughs> Philip answered, 200 penny worth, that's about a half a year's wage, of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. He's talking to Philip. In walks Andrew. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, said to him, here's a little boy which had five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. So there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. About 5, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fish as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the leftovers that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was studying, I've studied this text for years, but one of the first most intriguing things about the text is this. It's Jesus starts this entire miracle by having a conversation with Philip. Philip's one of those He's, like, he's not on the, the, like the inside of the inside. He's not a Peter, James, or a John. He's kind of the, the next level, right? Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, right? He's, he's kind of, he's kind of the, the, the next layer of leadership. But we see Jesus here entertaining a conversation with Philip. He didn't talk to Peter. He didn't talk to James. He didn't talk to John. He starts talking to Philip because I believe he's trying to develop some things in Philip so he can take Philip from the level he's at to a level that's a step closer. You hearing what I'm saying? He's talking to Philip. He's not talking to Peter, James, and John. He took Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they got to see all that. He took Peter, James, and John into Jairus' daughter's bedroom, and they got to witness what happened in there. But this time, he is talking to Philip, and he's talking to Philip for this one reason and for this one reason only, because he is trying to test Philip. Because God knows if I'm ever going to develop you, I've got to test you. You don't get developed by sitting in church year after year, mindlessly listening to sermons, waving your hand on the fast song, and worshiping on the slow song. That's not how God develops you. When God gets ready to do something in your life, he's going to throw you in a crucible called testing so he can prove you. And God never tests us to set us up for failure. God only tests us so he can form us into the person that he's called us to be. When it comes to money, money is one of the greatest tests you will ever face in your life. I've been in church since I was two weeks old, and it's kind of interesting because you can talk about the end times and people will shout, and you can talk about God healing people and miracles and people will shout. But when you start talking about money, people get all kinds of weird People lose their religion over that, right? They will, I've seen people that will serve. They will show up early. They will leave late. They will honor. They will do everything you ask them to do and won't give. 
it's going to be this kind of morning. Right? I've had, I've had people say, not, not in this church because y'all are amazing, but previous places. I've had people say to me, say, well, I don't give because I give so much of my time that I put a dollar amount on my time and that makes up for what I would have given financially. It don't work that way. Jesus did not say where your time is, that's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. He said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Not where your time is, that's where your heart is. Where your treasure is. Because it's easier to give time than it is to give money. Right? Now, we started talking about declarations and speaking to our money and I'm going to walk in the blessing and I got the favor of God and everybody got a little Pentecostal on it and everybody's like, whoo, I felt that when I said it, glory to God and I'm walking like Joseph, I am favored in every situation, glory to God and still don't give. You cannot plead God's promises and break God's principles. And we can preach the promises and we can sing the promises and we can declare the promises and we can write the promises out and read them on the way to work every morning. But if we don't submit to the principles, the promises is just exhaling us, us exhaling hot air. Right? The only, as a matter of fact, the only right we have to even say I'm walking in abundance and blessing is because I've submitted to God's principles and now I'm declaring what I have rightfully earned because of my obedience to what God told me to do. You cannot plead God's promises and then break God's principles. It doesn't work that way. You cannot plead. I'm, I'm going to talk hard about this. Is that all right? We'll do something else next week, and I'll talk about good stuff, okay? But this week is just, just grin and bear it. The wife's out of town. I've had the kids by myself, and I'm a little stressed. <laughs> I got to get some things off my chest, and I'm teasing. We shout about the book, right? But it's easier to shout about it than it is to be broken by it. It's easier to talk about, when, when, when we read the book, when we read the book, you will never find in the book anywhere where God puts a premium on your poverty. God never celebrates your poverty. As a matter of fact, he told, he told Israel, when you walk out, you're going to have shoes that never wear out. You're going to have more than enough. And there's not going to be one feeble or sick person among your tribe. Why? So you can be a testimony to all of Egypt that surely there is a God in Israel. We need a church. Listen, I'm going to talk real plain. We need a church that is empowered, not just with the power of God, but with economic resources so we can help somebody. I am tired of being a part of a Christianity that the only thing we ever have to offer somebody is prayer. Because we don't understand the blessing God wants us to walk in and because we don't understand the blessing God wants us to walk in, we haven't submitted to the principles that God wants us to walk in, right? Y'all with me? When I talk about you being blessed, okay, I'm not talking about everybody in here is going to drive a Mercedes next week. You might. If you do, we'll shout about it. But when I say you being blessed, this is what I mean. You have more than enough to do what God's called you to do. Being blessed means this. Listen very closely. Being blessed means you are empowered to prevent misfortune on behalf of somebody else. Yeah. 
Oh, do you hear that? That's why God wants you blessed. God does not just want to give to you. God wants to give through you. And God wants you to have. Listen, Jesus said the poor you will have with you always. God wants you to have more than enough because there will always be somebody that does not have enough. And he wants you to be blessed enough to prevent misfortune on behalf of somebody else. That's where we messed up. Listen, there's this whole thing that we talk about in Christianity called the prosperity gospel. That's where we messed up in the prosperity gospel. God wants to prosper you and bless you, not just so you can show off your brand new car. I want you to have a brand new car. I want you to have the house of your dreams. I want you to be able to send your kids to college and not worry about how you're going to pay for it. We came to Tennessee and we learned something about some kind of scholarship. I was like, glory to God, I ain't got to pay for all four years of my kids' college. I fell out. Why don't we move here earlier? Huh? They don't roll like that in Alabama. You pay for everything. Because we don't believe in the lottery in Alabama. That's why our schools look the way they do, but that's another message entirely. <laughs> I just said that out loud. <laughs> God wants you to have more than enough because there will always be somebody that does not have enough. Okay? He wants you to be empowered to prevent misfortune on behalf of somebody else. I'm telling you, there is nothing more life-giving than when somebody has a need and you're prepared to meet it for them. Oh. You, know what, you know what happens when you do that? Something rises up on the inside of you and you say, this is why I'm here on the earth. This is why God created me. That's why he said in Deuteronomy, I'm going to give you the power to get wealth. I'm going to give you the power to be empowered financially so you can prevent pain and misfortune on behalf of somebody else. As a matter of fact, he said in John, when you see your brother have need and you walk up to him and say, be warm and be filled, but you don't help him, how does the love of God dwell on the inside of you? Right? And that's how we treat people. We have, they have great needs and we just say, look, we'll be lifting you up. Be lifting you up. Wow. We went and fed some people under the bridge. You want me to tell you what they don't need? Our fake Christian compassion. You know what else they don't need? Our judgment. Well, it's a choice. Maybe it is. And maybe you're empowered to help them make a different one. So he looks at Philip and he says, Philip, what are we... Well, what do you think? You can see Philip's eyes getting this big. I ain't been in Jay Iris's daughter's bedroom. I don't know how this goes down. You didn't take me on the mountain of transfiguration. What you asking me? Why don't you ask your boy Peter? Right? Peter gets to go everywhere. Peter was walking on the water. Why can't Peter feed 5,000 people? Where Peter at? So what does Philip say? 200 penny worth. Half a year's wage wouldn't feed these people. And there comes Andrew. Jesus, I got a little boy. You ever had somebody else pass your test? <laughs> you ever had somebody else? You, they want nothing tick you off. Like God tell you to do something, you don't want to do it. Somebody else steps into it and walks in a blessing that God had prepared for you. You ever had somebody else pass your test? You got you to read Peter's language like that. I don't know what we're going to do. 
Where's John at? Hey, where's the sons of thunder at? And Andrew's like, whatever he's doing. But Jesus, we got this little boy's lunch right here. P. Philip had a we don't have enough mentality. Andrew had this is what we do have mentality. And if I just give you what I do have, you can turn it into what we do not have. Glory be to God. So when Jesus is testing Philip, he's trying to get him out of a lack mentality and into an abundance mentality by saying, we don't have everything we need, but this is what we do have. And if I give you what I do have, you can multiply it and turn it into what we do not have. Does anybody believe God is still that powerful? It's like, it's like the woman, I believe it's first Kings. First Kings, it's in there, trust me. Second Kings, it might be chapter four, where the prophet comes to her. And the Bible says that her sons had been sold into slavery. Her sons had been sold into slavery because her husband, who was a prophet, couldn't pay his debt. If I had time to preach on that. He was a prophet, but couldn't pay his debt. We'll talk about that later. He was, so he, he dies, sons get sold into slavery, and his wife is trying to make ends meet to buy her, boy out of slave, buy her boys out of slavery. And the prophet comes to her and says, what do you have in your house? And her original answer is, we don't have anything. And then she says, wait, we do have a little oil. We do have a little oil over here in a barrel. Oh, hallelujah. And the prophet says, go get all the vessels you can find. Wait a second, lady. Do you have nothing or do you have a little oil in the barrel? Because if you will take what little you have and put it into God's hands, it can become everything that you need. However, if you look at it and it doesn't look like enough and you call it nothing, your key to deliverance will be sitting in the corner for the rest of your life because it doesn't look like enough. Of course it doesn't look like enough. How would you develop faith if it was enough? Everything you have right now is not enough and God's going to prove you, Philip, and test you to see if I can get you out of the not enough mentality into the too much mentality if I just put it in your hand. Lady, what do you have? I don't have anything. Wait a second. There's some oil over there. What is it, nothing? Or is it something? If, if what you have right now is not enough to meet your need, you've heard this in church before, if it's not enough to meet your need, then it's your seed. A little boy's lunch can't feed 5,000. But when I let it go out of my hand and get it into his hand, he blesses it, then he multiplies it. It will never be multiplied until it gets blessed. Let me say it to you this way. God loves you too much to multiply cursing in your life. What I have cannot be multiplied till the blessing of God is on it. And what I have will not get the blessing of God on it till it leaves my hand and gets into his hand. 
That's why I taught you on tithing last week how the first fruits belongs to God. If I was going to title this message, last week was the law of first fruits. This week would be the law of multiplication. Because until we get the first into God's hands, the rest cannot be blessed. And if the rest is not blessed, the rest will not be multiplied. And then when we look out at our assignment of what God's called us to do, we will be Philip saying, I ain't got enough. Instead of Andrew saying, I don't have enough, but I know how to get in the order of God where God can take not enough and turn it into too much. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So in order for it to be multiplied, it's got to be blessed. In order for it to be blessed, it's got to be given. They gave it to Jesus. Bible says, well, this is interesting. Jesus actually didn't feed the 5,000. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. They gave the bread to the disciples. Or the disciples gave the bread to Jesus. Jesus blesses it, multiplies it, returns it to the disciples, and the disciples feed the people. So we give it to him. He does what only he can do. He does what the stock market cannot do. He does what your mutual fund and your 401k cannot do. Then he gives it back to you and then commands you to go fulfill the assignment for which he blessed and multiplied it to begin with. Let me say it to you this way. He He can't release what's in his hand towards you. Until we release what's in our hand toward him. You hearing me? We want to be able, we want to be empowered for our assignment. We want to be empowered to prevent misfortune on behalf of another. But before you get there, before you get to the point where, and, and listen, to, when, when I say he's, he's, he's too much, when they took up the leftovers, when they took up the leftovers, they had more left over than they started with. They had more crumbs floating around than with what they started with. (laughs) We want to get to that point, right? We shout about that. When I read the text this morning and I said, and they took up 12 baskets full. Everybody's like, "Woo! glory to God. There's a process to get there, right? Before you get to leftovers, before you get to too much, Before you get there, it starts with they fed the disciples. Before they got there, it starts with he multiplied it. Before it started with he multiplied it, it started with he blessed it. Before it started with he blessed it, it started with they gave it. See, money that you give never actually leaves your life. Everything, hallelujah, I wish. If y'all would connect to this, we would preach the absolute fool out of this. Money that you give never leaves your life. Money that you give goes into your future and schedules a harvest for you. Every dime you give now, you will bump into later in its multiplied form. Let me try this side of the church. Every dime you don't give now, And I'm not trying to get money out of you. Our bills are paid. We've got money in the in the savings account and the checking account. We're fine. I'm not trying to get money from you. I'm trying to get money to you. 
Remember when I told you last week that God did not send Elijah to the widow to sustain Elijah? God sent Elijah to the widow to sustain the widow. Right? Every dollar you don't give now, you will bump into in the future in its famine form. Here's the challenge about giving. The Bible says this, while the earth remains, cold heat, summer and winter, day and night, seed time and harvest shall not cease. That's what he said. I'm establishing a principle now of seed time and harvest that will last as long as the world lasts. I have seen tithing work for sinners. Y'all with me? Y'all need to shout amen, wave at me, nod your head. Seen tithing work for sinners, you know why? Because seed time and harvest will not pass away as long as earth stands. Now watch. I used to read that and think, seed time harvest, seed time harvest, seed time harvest, seed time harvest. That is not what he's talking about. He's talking about seed time. Harvest. Anybody could give. If you thought you gave $10 this morning and before you got out the front door, somebody dropped you 100 Anybody could do that. That's not how you get developed, Philip. It's not seed time harvest. Okay? Seed time harvest. You want me to tell you why I tithe? One of the reasons I tithe? Because I've got children that I need the enemy rebuked off of. Oh, don't get me started. I was up preaching in Atlanta one time, and uh, my, my, my middle daughter, Katie, she had chronic, chronic, chronic asthma. Chronic asthma. She, would, she had terrible, just terrible issues. She would get uh, the croup all the time, and it can be very dangerous. I was out preaching in Atlanta, and my wife called me uh, because Katie couldn't breathe. She woke up, she couldn't breathe. She was a baby, couldn't breathe at all, turning purple, couldn't breathe. And I'm in Atlanta, which from where we lived, it was about four hours. And so it was very emotional, very, she calls me, she's freaking out. She can't breathe, she can't breathe. She, what am I going to, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This has been an ongoing thing. And I remember I said this to her, I said, she's going to be fine because we're tithers. And the enemy is rebuked off of my seed because I've obeyed God's word. Now you take her to the hospital and they do whatever they need to do. But over my family and my seed, the enemy's rebuked because I've come into alignment with God's word. And I'm a... No. We're going to get you there. We're going to get you there. Seed. Harvest. I've preached this to you before. We don't, like, we don't like that. We don't like the time part. We don't want seed time. Harvest. We don't want that. We want seed time harvest. <laughs> seed time harvest. We don't even want the seed to get all the way in the ground before God starts blessing it, right? Talking about supernatural return. Reaper going to overtake. So we want seed time harvest. Okay, doesn't work that way. Seed. Every seed you sow, you'll bump back into in the future. In its multiplied state. Now, the key is this. If I sow seed number one now, I start the clock on harvest number one. But if I get a revelation, when I sow seed number one, and I start the clock on seed number one, you know what I'm going to do next week? I'm going to sow seed number two. 
and I'm going to start the clock on seat number two. And then the next week, I'm going to sow seat number three, and I've already started the clock on seat number one and seat number two. Now I'm starting on seat number three and seat number four and seat number five and seat number six. And then one day, I'm going to bump into harvest number one and harvest number two. I need somebody to help me preach it. And harvest number three and harvest number four. And when I bump into harvest number one, I'm going to also turn around and sow seat number 101 and harvest number two and seat number 102 and harvest number three. That way, I get into a cycle where I don't know if it's seed. I don't know if it's time. I don't know if it's harvest. There's part of me that I'm sowing seed right now. There's another part of me that I'm still in the time phase for some previous seed that I sown. And then I'm stepping into some harvest phase for some seed I sowed years ago. And you know what I'm going to do while I'm in the harvest phase? I'm going to keep putting seed in the... Somebody needs to shout hallelujah. That's how it gets multiplied. He said, I get, this, this is how amazing God is. He said, I give seed to the sower. This is what God said. I'm giving you seed to get started. It's not your job that gave it to you. God gave you the ability to do what you do. The favor, oh, God Almighty. God said, I'm, I give seed to the sower. This is what he said. I'm going to get you started. I'm going to give seed to the sower. And then... When you sow it, I'm going to multiply your seed sown. When you sow one and I touch it, it's going to look like 30. When you sow one, it's going to look like 60 because I touched it. When you sow one, it's going to look like 100 because I touched it. What happens if you sow 100? What's it going to look like after God touches? I'm going to get you there. It's all right. It's all right. We're going to get there. The law of first fruits. The first belongs to God. Then the law of multiplication. There's nothing you give now that you don't see later in either one of two forms. Either it's multiplied state or it's famine state. And if I will so, 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 so. I will begin to reap, 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 reap. And while I'm reaping, 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 I will take a part of that harvest and I'm going to keep going. So, 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 so. And then I will get into a cycle where there's never a time in my life where I'm not reaping something. That's why I said you're going to be blessed going in. Blessed going out. What does he say? He said, because you got in such a cycle of blessing. You got in such a cycle of blessing. You don't know if you're coming or going. God got real crazy with Israel. He said, I'm going to empower you so much, you're going to lend to nations. What? And you're not going to borrow. You're going to be the head, not the tail. What about when you go buy that new car and they say, what's your credit score? And you say, don't matter. I'm about to write you a check. See, I can't get nobody to believe that with me this morning. We got this southern poverty, glory to God, mentality. We break that in Jesus' name. Because that's not what the book says. Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. Y'all with me today? Somebody praise God for his word. No, don't give him some patty cake. Somebody praise God for his word. tell you something. 
I believe, and we're, we're almost there. We're not there yet. And I want to see who can believe this with me. 2019 is going to be the most financially abundant year in the lives of every person in this room. Now, you, I'm not going to preach on giving again. I'll do it next week. And then you won't hear again about it again until probably next November. Unless God tells me something else. But your Bible says that the path of the righteous is meant to grow brighter and brighter and brighter. If Christmas is stressing you out this, this year, how am I going to pay for it? I'm going to get all these people, all these gifts, all these dang people, all these gifts. And everybody got 4,000 extended family members and they all want something. Okay. Next year, it doesn't have to be stressful. The year after that, it doesn't have to be stressful. This year, it doesn't have to be stressful. Right? If we get into the order of God, he can only multiply what is blessed. And he can only bless what we give. As long as it remains in our hand, it is all it will ever be. It's all it will ever be. But once we release it into his hand, and he multiplies it, and then he blesses it, and then he gives it back. And not only does he give it back, he said, oh yeah, you're going to have some left over. And I'm going to do such a work in you that even the leftovers are going to be more than what you gave me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.